Welcome back to the Fit Father Podcast. This is going to be episode seven, continuing our conversation with Glenn Owen. We have a really great conversation coming at you guys. I hope you enjoy it. I, w- I remember I went to my like 12 and a half year <laughs> high school reunion or whatever it was. And it was like, it was actually funny because um, like I, I went with one of my best friends and we got there and it was just like, well, we'll see what happens. Like, we'll see who's here. And it was like, dude, it was like you were back in high school. It was like every single click. And like, these are people that potentially still like kept in touch for the most part, but it was like everybody that used to hang out in their circles stayed in their circles at the reunion and i was like this is just i'm i'm good like it was literally like me and like me and my best friend and a couple other guys were like in the back like playing pool for a couple of hours having beers and then like all the original like popular kids and like the football player like the sports players and all them were like in their little circle and like the nerds were all in their little (laughs) circle it was like everybody just like went back to their like click and just stayed and i was like Okay, <laughs> like this is this is about what I expected. I'm like, I'm not coming back for the 20th. I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys. Yeah, <laughs> I feel and I feel like reunions are weird like that. Do you know what I mean? Like those big, those big weird social situations where you're th- get thrown everyone and people do revert back to old habits, which is one of the reasons why you know coaching programs like yours and, and the other other ones that are out there, like people need support with that kind of thing. Is what ends up happening. They end up reverting back to themselves in those higher pressure situations unless they are out there trying to deliberately make those changes in their life. You know, it's funny though, but some of these guys that I would have thought, you know, weren't big fans of mine in high school, I would later on find out they started a soccer team. And they would ask me to come like ring for them once while they'd be like, Hey, come play with us. And I'd be like, Oh, these guys are actually kind of cool. And like the things that I maybe was worried about or taking personally, weren't actually such a big deal to some of these people. And they probably didn't really care much about any of my like negative qualities in high school either. Um, so, I mean, this, this whole experience with this guy named Sean, to kind of, you know, get back to the, the fitness end of things, I was, doing, I was doing Taekwondo for a couple of years as a means of self-defense because I wanted to protect myself. Later on, I find out Taekwondo is terrible for self-defense, but that's neither here nor there. But it was my first kind of experience into weights because they would have uh, like a small weight room in this corner of this Taekwondo dojo. And I just started one day like playing around with the weights and started using them. And then some of the the older fellows that were there that liked me enough, right? Because I was this weird, awkward kid. And you know, it's funny. When you're a group of people who are very confident, you're the weird, awkward kid, but they're like genuinely good, authentic people. They actually just like see that and they want to take you under their wing versus take advantage of that. And so these guys are in their 40s and 50s started showing me how to use weights a little bit. I turned the age of 15 and uh, I get a gym membership at Good Life, which is our like our big box brand gym there all over Canada. It's the most popular fitness center. And I just start exercising and losing weight. And and part of the thing that gets me in here is very similar to why a lot of people start trying new things is because they have this like deep emotional pain that they experienced when they were younger. And now they're trying to do activities or things that either make them feel protected from it or somehow give them release from that thing. And so I started lifting weights and exercising when I was 16 and started building up my physical armor because I thought to myself, well, if I add some muscle to my body and I'm stronger and I look this way, I'm not going to get picked on anymore. It's not really the case. Do you know what I mean? Like that muscle doesn't grow overnight. You don't really know what you're doing when you start something, which is why you need a coach a lot of times. Right. Most of the time. And then you end up 
getting better and more successful. But I ended up starting working when I was 15. And that's kind of how I fell in love with this exercise thing. I just thought maybe if I build up some muscle, you know, Sean will leave me alone and people won't bully me so much. And, and that kind of led me really down to the path where I am as an exercise professional, which was I, I got overweight and fat and I had, uh, I felt like I was unworthy um, and I have all these other fears and inadequacies because of having to clear my plate when I grow up, eating all this junk food, all this kind of stuff, leading me to get bullied, leading me into learning to work out and exercise and then finding this passion, this joy in something. And then being able to have the luxury of taking my passion and joy and making it a career. So, I mean, and that's kind of like in my mind, like a very large part of my childhood, especially when it comes just to the exercise and fitness thing, was how you go. I went from not to be redundant, insecure, and, you know, emotionally unstable in, in many regards to really loving exercise and feeling much more confident in my body today at the age of 37. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of like our gym had uh, a weight room and like for me, like I was always technically inclined, like, you know, this, like I'm an engineer by career. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, like I was always technically inclined. Like I was the kid that lived in like the shop. Like I was in the wood shop. I was in the drafting shop. Like I was in our recording studio. Like I did more of that, like technical aspect. And one of my high school, uh, technology teachers was like, in hindsight, looking back, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, you don't really realize it. You just look at him. You're like, dude, you're you're freaking huge. Mm -hmm. Looking back at it now, it's like he literally was probably three months of dieting away that he could have stepped on a professional bodybuilding stage. Like he was wow. jacked. This yeah. dude was huge. And I naturally just like attached to him because I was like, you're jacked. One, you're cool. You're younger. Like I always connected with him. and then our gym class was always like every whatever quarter you would change. And one of the quarters was like, Hey, you're going to weight train. Like you're, you have the option to go and work out in the weight room for whatever that hour long gym class. And so I sat down with him. I was like, Hey, can you help me like build this fitness program for the gym class? Like, I don't want to just go in there and do nothing. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you, mm -hmm. can you help me figure this out? And that was like my first kind of foray into it. And like, I look back at it and I'm like, I was weak as shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, 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 yeah, like I had no idea, like in, but I was seeing guys, like I was training with guys that were on the football team that were doing, you know, the, uh, like the linemen, like push, but now looking at it, like the equivalent of like a push press, but like a chest press, like the lineman thing, we had one of those machines and I'm seeing guys throw like, 135 on a side and just like jacking up 270 yeah just like jamming through and like jamming i'm right. like can you guys put a five pounder on that like yeah, I, yeah i'm not gonna be able to do that and that was like my first foray into kind of fitness training and then i went to college and like went to the gym like once or twice over the course of four years and it literally came down to like i didn't realistically start truly getting into fitness and training and learning and getting to know what I'm doing and like becoming, you know, a 205 pound muscular human being that I am today until post-grad. Like I was 22 years old when I finally stepped into a gym and it was an apartment gym because I wasn't comfortable walking into, you know, a planet fitness or a lifetime or a golds or whatever the, you know, 
like I just started training with like men's health fitness programs and like bodybuilding.com programs oh, yeah. for like four or five years until I finally like got to an actual gym. But then to your point with like when you were, you know, 14, 15 years old and you're in the gym and have no idea what you're doing. And like these older guys kind of like took you under their wing and they were like, Hey, like you're, you're one of us now. Like, let us help you out. Once I did finally sign up for that gym membership, I had that similar like mentality where like I probably was 26 at this point mm-hmm. and I yeah 25 26 and like never stepped foot in a full-time gym like this before in my life and I'm like mm-hmm. going in there I'm like sheepishly like trying to do my thing like putting no weights on seeing guys squatting 315 like putting up heavy weights and I'm like over here with the five pounds like doing chest presses and I'm like feeling super uncomfortable and to this day still i talk to this guy uh keith he literally like came up to me one day just kind of gave me like the hey man like the head nod like the you're one of us like welcome you're allowed to be here and then i just one day i don't even know i was like in the gym and he comes over and i pull my headphones out and he's like you trying to lose weight I'm like yeah, I'm like I'm kind of like yeah, I'm trying to lose weight, trying to just get better. He's like, oh cool. He's like, I'm training for this thing. Like he had done like a bodybuilding show, and like we just kind of hit it off. And like every time we would see each other in the gym, it was like I'm not. I'm normally like headphones in, like zoned in. But every time that we would see each other in the gym, it was headphones out. You're talking for five minutes. You know, get back into your workout. Like, and it was like just a very cool like mentality. And that's I think that there's always this stigma that like if you don't know what you're doing and you go into the gym you're going to be ousted. And I actually just mm-hmm. had this conversation with a woman who I'm friends with on Instagram, who she went into a gym. She's, I think like six or seven months postpartum trying to get back like the body that she had before she walked into a gym and like two college kids, like blatantly were like giggling being like, Oh, well, she can't possibly be here to work out. And it's like, yo, fuck you. Yeah. Like college kids are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Like, Hey, shut the hell up. No, no one asked you. Um, but it's like that mentality where that like so many people have that where like you walk into the gym and you just assume that somebody's in there like looking at you being like, oh, what the hell are they doing here? Like, like they shouldn't be here. And it's like, it, why? Like everybody deserve has the right and the like they deserve to have the physique and the health that they want. Like just because they're potentially doing it later in life or they had God only knows what hardships that brought them to where they are like you don't know what somebody's life is like the second that they walk out of this gym. Like they're here for an hour. You have no idea what the other 23 hours of their day are. Yeah. Or, or how hard it was just for them to bring, to get, for them to get to the point where they finally felt like I'm going to the gym today and working out. Um, and and to, to your point there, you know, I think this is one of the, the problems that we have with news and with, with social media and YouTube and all that kind of stuff is it's much easier to get clicks and maybe we just find this more enticing to hear like bad news or to be, excuse me, within our echo chamber. But most people at the gym are cool people. Do you know what I mean? Like most of them are cool, good people. And there's always going to be a couple of those people, like those two giggling kids who are going to make people feel uncomfortable because for whatever reason, that's who they are. And and we can't change those people. And that's fine. We to come to accept it. But most people at the gym are, are there just doing you just doing, just doing, sorry, just doing themselves, like doing whatever they want to do. And they're happy to support you or to, to, you know, take you under their wing or to show you some love. Uh, but the problem is I think just social media and other, you know, outlets of media that exist tend to focus on the negative stuff. 
And like, don't get me wrong. We have to be aware of those kind of things. But like most people aren't gym creepers. Most people are good people just in the same mental spot as you that brought them to the gym, which is they have some kind of like emotional discomfort, whether it's they feel weak, they're worried they're not able to play with their kids. They don't love the way their body looks and makes them unconfident to go out in public. Like most of us have some thing that drove us to get to the gym to begin with. And we're just there working on that piece to give us some confidence and to help us move past some of those things. You know, the insecurities and fears really aren't ever totally going to go away. But if we can help heal them the best that we can and work on ourselves, we can do some really cool stuff. And I think one of the things I love about going to the gym and exercising is that it is one of those things where you can track and see some cool progress, both like long-term over the course of years, but also short-term. Like it's not that hard to do a machine, write down the weight and the number of repetitions that you did, and then do that same thing next week and see a small improvement. And confidence is not one of those things that people just have. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people do have that natural, natural bravado where they care less about what other people think and the kudos to them. But most people, confidence is like a learned, earned trait where they do something often enough that they have, if they look backwards in history, a track record of being successful at this thing. And that allows them to be confident about what they're telling people about what they're doing. And that takes a very brave first step into exercising. And so like, I love when I see people that are like very overweight at the gym or, or sweating hard. And like, I want to give them that nod, that acknowledgement. I want to let them know in some way they're doing a great job that I'm happy they're there without maybe perhaps making them uncomfortable. Because I do know for some people that if they are overweight, they're doing their best not to look at anyone because their biggest fear is them making eye contact with someone and then people looking at them that way and then like reopening that wound that they're healing, right? By working out of the gym and then want to avoid right. that experience altogether. Yeah, it's like the proverbial, um, you know, like you have no idea how much of an impact just a simple smile can mean. 100%. And I think that that's something like, especially in the gym is, you know, when you see somebody that most likely is probably uncomfortable in the gym. Like I, I've been there. You were there. Like there's no one that is in the gym today, regardless of what they look like. That wasn't where you were at one point in time. Like at some point somebody said, I'm going to start going to the gym because of X, Y, and Z, whether it's sports, whether it's, I'm a fat kid that needs to not be a fat kid, whether it's just, I'm getting bullied. I want to get stronger. Like I know Lane Norton literally started lifting because he was getting bullied. Same thing was you. It was like, well, I'm going to just get jacked and like, screw this guy. Um, but it's like, everybody started somewhere. Like people don't just walk into the gym looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. They don't like that happens. And I think that people forget that just giving that simple, like head nod, like, Hey, you know, I see you welcome or the yeah. you know the smile the head nod the like half like whatever it is just some type of acknowledgement of like hey welcome you're you are welcome here like in, welcome like, to the team enjoy come the time you're here come, yeah, yeah right like come yeah come on in like you're welcome like don't feel like you don't deserve to be here because i think that that's always what it comes down to is people feel uncomfortable and they're like well i, I don't deserve to be here when they see guys that look like you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. We have a guy in our gym that every single day of the week, I look at him and I'm like, dude, <laughs> it's like his back is like three feet wide. He wears a <laughs> stringer shirt every single day. And he's just, he's absolutely yoked. 
And like, I bet, I bet he's the nicest guy in the gym too. Yeah. Like, and like, I, you know, I, I do, I give him like the head nod or like the, Hey man, what's up type of thing. Like that's about it. But like, even in our gym now, like I couldn't tell you the name of anybody, but I know like there's a couple of guys in the gym every single day that I see them, we give them the head nod or the smile or the fist bump, like whatever it is. And it's like, I have no idea what these guys' names are, but you see them every day. They become part of your like crew. And I think I've talked about it before is that every gym that I've now gone to, well, I've only technically gone to three, but like every gym that I've now been a member of, there's always somebody that like, you kind of have your little crew, even if you have no idea what anybody's name is, mm-hmm. you have your little tight knit crew of people that you see every single day working on themselves while you're working on yourself. And it becomes like this little mini, I don't want to say family, but like that kind of like, it's your, it, that's your crew. Like if you don't yeah. see somebody one day in the gym for like a week, you're like, Oh, like I'm, I hope everything's okay. Like, I don't, I don't know who yeah. that is, but I hope that everything's okay. I haven't seen them in a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, 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 you touched on so many beautiful things just now. Like one, the people need to feel a part of a community. It's a part of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs in some way, shape or form, which is we want to feel like we're a part of a community. And we're seeing this epidemic right now of young, of young men and, and young women all as well, who've, who are isolated because they don't feel like they're a part of a group. And it only gets worse with social media because social media is not a substitute for being around real humans and doing real human interactions. But because so many young people especially live their lives online, they, they're losing that, that connection. So like being able to just go to a community, even if it's an unspoken bond with people, that's a huge thing. And then there's this whole idea of, uh, of strokes. You know, as a part of what I do for, for my work, understanding the human, I mean, understanding the, the way the human humans think and human needs and human psychology is super important, I think, for anybody in any walk of life. And it really gives you insight in how to help people, but also how to be a better human being. And this idea that we all need strokes and a stroke is just a recognition of another human being. It could be a compliment. It could be like a, a, a big conversation. It could be the nod. It could be the fist bump. It could be the high five, but we all need that. And the other side of that too is that not only are there positive strokes like acknowledgements that are are like a good thing, right? But there's also negative strokes too, which is like giggling at a, a person who's overweight and making them feel uncomfortable or berating somebody, right? Or insulting somebody. These are all negative strokes. And the, the hardest and toughest thing, and this is one of those things about being a, a, a child that's so so tough sometimes is that if you're not getting enough positive strokes in your life, you will start acting out to get negative strokes. You'll start, you know, and that's where like, you know, when people take a look at like spoil the rich kids, for example, like the stereotype, it's because mom and dad are really not there. They're too busy in their jobs or their, or their, or their, their own stuff to spend time with the kids and the kids aren't getting enough positive strokes. So what do the kids do? They start acting out to get any kind of recognition. And that, that becomes the way they live their life, which is, you know, I, I don't want to paint negative or positive on anyone, but I think it's fair to say that most people who act out, who become like uh, criminals or villainous in that regard, probably didn't get enough love and attention when they were younger, and they just, just became their way of being recognized in the world. And so, you know, I, I love what you're talking about right now because I know this is something that that you that you really work on for yourself and your your team and your people, which is creating that sense of community where people feel welcomed, they get what they need, so that they can move forward in a powerful way. And when they do make mistakes. It's not like, hey, this is a wrong-making conversation now. This is like, great, this thing happened. This isn't working. How do we circumvent this and move forward so that we've got a solution the next time this comes up? 
And that's really all progress is in a nutshell, right? Is recognizing when you've got problems and then coming with solutions to circumvent that, whether it's, you know, if you've got some deep emotional stuff, we got to do some therapy or some meditation or figuring out what that is. Or if it's more just like you're in a social situation where there's food everywhere and you're trying to lose a little bit of weight, what kind of things are we going to do? What kind of things are you going to put in place so that you don't overindulge? Or that you do let yourself indulge, but you don't let it control you, you control it. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, like, especially on the indulgent side, it's like understanding it. I, I literally had a conversation with a gentleman yesterday. He's not even a client. I had a conversation with him. He was like, I'm struggling. I can't figure it out. Like, I'm not gaining. I'm not losing. I'm trying this thing. I've tried that thing. I've tried that thing. I've tried that thing. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, let's just get on a call. Got on the phone with him, talked it through. And we were like, all right, cool. Like, can you completely like pro bono, quote unquote, like he's not paying me any money, but I'm like, I want you to get where you want to be because that like, if you feel better, then I feel better. And right. so it was like working with him. And I was like, I've been talking to them now for a couple of weeks. I was like, can we try this approach? You do this for a week. Let's talk next Friday. Talk to him next that next Friday. He's like, so struggling. These things are going on. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's see what we can do. Can you, can you hang with me for one more week? Yep. Can do. Cool. We talked yesterday, still having issues. I was like, okay, cool. Take a little bit of a deeper dive into what's going on. And I'm like, okay, cool. I think we have an idea of what's going on. And literally just on Facebook, like messaging him, like, Hey, try this, focus on this, try and fix this thing, try and fix that thing. Like the reason that this is happening is there, but and I know I've done this. I, you know, I know that you mentioned earlier, like you've done your therapy stuff. I've done my life coaching stuff. Like shout out Leslie Cravar, my amazing life coach. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's not, you can't, it's very difficult to see what's going on in your own life sometimes. 100%. And whether that is mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever it is, like, I am a fitness coach. I coach dads to lose weight, but I also have my own fitness coach because coaching yourself is very difficult. So like I have my own coach, like I pay someone to make sure that my nutrition and my fitness is at peak performance. No different than I ask guys to pay me to help them become peak performance. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening to today's episode, Continued Conversation with Glenn. The conversation did go long, so we have one more awesome episode coming up for you guys. Glenn and I talk through the emotional roller coaster of life, going through COVID, how our communities are affecting us, the actions that we need to take to have amazing results, and make sure you stick around for the entire end of the episode as Glenn leaves a really amazing piece of advice to cap off our entire conversation. I look forward to talking to you guys in episode eight coming up next week.